Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hello and welcome to Off The Beat and Track Podcast. I'm your host, I'm Stu Whiffin. It's another week, therefore it's another episode. Today's episode, I sit and chat to Dan from Story of the Year. And we have a delightful chat, which you're going to hear very, very soon. That's right, they're back as well. New music. We chat all about it. Before we get on with uh, my lovely natter with Dan, I want to say uh, a few thank yous. I want to say thanks to Scroobius Pip and everybody at the Distraction Pieces Network, go check out the other podcasts on that network because there's some absolute crackers to be enjoyed. Um, I'd also like to thank the team at the Blue Murder Club uh, podcast, which is a wonderful true crime podcast, and uh, the team over there produced this. So um, go check them out if you like your true crime. And you'll also get to, to hear other guests uh, on, on there that have also, a few of them have featured on this podcast. So uh, go over there and uh, check them out as well. And I want to say thank you always to you lot for listening. This is episode 470-something now, so we're fast approaching 500 episodes, which seems crazy. But uh, but for long-time listeners of this podcast, obviously you're aware that I try and put two out a week, which is which is quite hard to, to do. It, you know, it's it's uh, it's a lot of work and, and it's a lot of nattering. Uh, but it's really lovely that the, the listenership is consistently growing and, and I get lovely messages and... And such from from people that are enjoying these podcasts, and obviously I get to sit down with some amazing creatives and have these delightful chats. I'm also going to say that if it's your first time listening, then hello. Um, I presume in you're a story of the year fan. Um, welcome to this podcast. Um, you're very late to the party, but that's fine because. Uh, You've got the joy now, after listening to today's episode, to go and explore that back catalogue. And if you like your rock, then you can hear me talking to, I don't know, Cancer Bats, um, Foo Fighters, Motley Crue. I had a great chat with Tommy Lee. Um, Enter Shikari. Um, gosh, uh, 100 Reasons. So if you like your rock and roll, then then you've got absolutely hundreds. Papa Roach, I'm trying to think. Like I say, there's hundreds. So go and have a good explore. And I've had some amazing indie bands, like loads of amazing DJs and producers and comedians and actors. Um, yeah, go check it. Go check the back catalogue when uh, you finish this episode. Uh, also, I'm on all the social media platforms, Twitter, not all of them, just the ones that a 49-year-old man can navigate around, um, which is Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. So go give us a follow, like, love, share, retweet, and all of that stuff over there, please. Um, 
And also, uh, if you'd like to support the podcast on another level, then I have a thing called Patreon, which I'm sure a lot of you are aware of. And long-time listeners of the podcast are probably skipping this bit now because it's like, oh, he's going to bang on about Patreon again. But that support over on Patreon um, really does help covering the costs and stuff to ensure that we can still put out two episodes for free each week. Um and we keep it super cheap because, well, in the UK, there's a cost of living crisis going on right now. And don't get me started on the, on the government. But, yeah, things are, things are tight and, and money's super tight. So uh, I keep it to 70 pence uh, a month. So it's a dollar. It's a dollar a month. Um, and what you get for that is you can watch all the episodes over on Patreon. Uh, I put them all up. So if you like to watch your podcast, you can... You can see um, my my delightfully beautiful guests uh, and you also have to stomach my ugly mug, but um, you get to watch them all. I put up loads of mixtapes and playlists and stuff um, each week. Uh, I do little radio shows and, and, and obviously if you sign up for a month, you get access to uh, the back catalogue, which there's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds. So you can just put them on and there's little radio shows of me waffling away playing records i don't know why i've just explained what a radio show is to you i'm sure you're quite aware that essentially a radio show is somebody playing records and talking but um there's hundreds of those to be enjoyed but the one thing that i want to tell you about that i do each month for patreons um is we do a little live show and we do it on zoom uh so all the patreons can turn up and you can get really involved if you want. Uh, you can have your camera off and your mic off and just, just you know, listening or watching, however you want to do it. There's no pressure. But if you want to come along and have a chat, then we try and pick one question from the podcast each month, whether it's the song with the greatest intro, the first song that had an emotional impact on you, blah, blah, blah. And and then you just can all bring your, your songs to the table and feature on an episode. Um, I've released a couple of them now, so you can actually go back in um, after listening to today's episode and, and, and check a couple of them out. They're really lovely. Um, it's a non, completely non-judgy, friendly crowd of people, and we all just natter about music and memories, and, and it's, it's it's a really, really lovely little hour, and uh, and it's grown into something that I, I really look forward to each month, and I think if you's, you's come along, you'll really enjoy it as well. So... Um, yeah, that's to be uh, enjoyed as well as part of that dollar a month or the 70-odd P. Uh, and you can head over to Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com, patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track. Or if you can't remember that because, well, it's a it's a long one, isn't it? Off the beat and track podcast.com. That's the website. And that's got links to everything, the socials and the Patreon and merch and anything else. So uh, there's your one-stop shop. Anyway... I have been waffling now for 5 minutes 54 seconds and uh, the good stuff hasn't even started yet so let's get that good stuff going. Please enjoy today's episode of Off The Beat and Track Podcast with the delightful Dan from Story of the Year. It's Off The Beat and Track Podcast on the Distraction Pieces Network with me, Stu Whipping. Okay, we are recording. Dan, how are you today? I am excellent. How are you? I'm uh, I'm excellent as well, actually. Yeah, I can't. I, I always say excellent. I don't know. That's like my natural response. But yeah. you know, I mean, I am doing excellent. But yeah. even if I wasn't, I'd probably just say, yeah, excellent. You know, yeah, natural response. Do you know what? It's actually weird you say excellent because I watched Wayne's World for the first time in years. Uh, I think that's about why. two yeah. weeks ago. 
And and literally, all I heard from that whole of that film was just somebody saying excellent to, to absolutely everything. Party time. Right. Excellent. <laughs> yep. Right, well, where are you today, Dan? That's why it's burned into my brain from absolutely. years of watching that movie. Um, in St. Louis, Missouri, right in the middle of America. Wonderful. And what can where I see are you there? I'm, I'm just being nosy. And for those that are listening, um, is that a bad religion? Um piece of wall art over there in, in the background yes i have the little it's like a flag it's like one of those flimsy things i hung hung it up this is like my little studio room in my basement Love here it. at my house that i uh you know make some terrible music out of and uh do these kind of things well look we're gonna be talking about terrible music today we're gonna talk about great music today so let's <laughs> kick off your playlist and i'm gonna ask you please then to tell me the song that you regard as having the greatest ever intro please well Whenever I read these, uh, the first thing that popped in my head was AFI, which it's a very weird uh, name, uh, Misery Cantar uh, or something, but the beginning. But it's the first song off of Sing the Sorrow. Mm. But the only reason I, I mentioned that is because Story of the Year always wanted to rip off every AFI intro for every record they had. Right. They always have like this big epic, like they make you feel like, whoa, this record's going to be huge, you know? Yeah. And uh, we always tried to do something similar and never ended up doing it. Um, because it just felt like we were ripping off AFI. So we never actually did it. But but our band, like always as a band, loved every AFI record. They always had some kind of big, chanty, like epic intro thing that like set you up for that record. Yeah. And um, I'm sure there's better intros out there for any for songs or, or albums, but that's just what pops in my head when I think of big, cool, epic intros. It's always AFI. I don't know why. I mean, it's, it's solid tune. And I'm, I'm going to ask you, though, about intros. And you... you, you... Constantly reference the word big. Uh, when, yeah, when you I were feel talking like. About. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And, 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 and so, with, with, with that in mind, I mean, when the band started, the way that people listened to your music was probably very different to her than listening to the new music. Yeah. This is, I, I guess, when, when the band started, there probably there was no such thing as TikTok and, uh, and, and Spotify playlists probably weren't quite as important or seen as being important by the, the labels as, as as they are it, now yeah it, it was non-existent i don't think spotify existed right 20 years ago so and so with, with all that in mind i know you know for, for aspiring bands back in the day you've been trying to get radio play and, and and do all the traditional things that bands try to do to, to to get heard and get exposure and get out there and the evolution of the internet's absolutely amazing and there's lots of great bonuses and and the fact that people can jump on laptops and phones and make records as sim, you know on on garage band and things like that. it's amazing yeah but one of the things that i i think's slightly worrying is is the fact that attention spans seem to be getting shorter and people have got very very rapid thumbs and they flick through tracks and and things like that and so what we're seeing yeah. maybe more so in sort of pop culture and and, and pop music is this kind of TikTok era of, of of trying to kind of just hook you instantly, and if yeah. they've not got you in ten seconds, you're gone to the next thing. So I'm going right away around the houses with this question, Dan. I've asked it 470 times. I've still never framed it right. I hope yeah. you get where I'm going with it. I do. When you're making music now, do any of the things such as TikTok or Spotify playlists and hooking people instantly, does any of that ever filter through and affect your creative process? Or is it part of your creative process? Um, it never has been in the past, but this record was the first time ever during the writing process where I, I've, we all like separately, like different points, 
would say, hey, maybe that's like, maybe that's the TikTok thing, you know, or whatever. Like, just because you would be like, okay, that's a great chorus. Okay, that feels like, you know, something you would just scroll through and hear. But but that was not like the main influence at all by any means. And yeah. um, that's definitely not the train of thought we've ever had in writing music because yeah because like we were saying that was 20 years ago whenever we first started putting stuff out and none of this existed at that point but but uh i do feel like it's good to you know evolve and stay current and try to you know you don't want to be the 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 band that just refuses to do anything new and will not uh, adapt to any technologies or anything because that's dumb the technology is amazing and like you said the the way the access to music is is so awesome now and but yes, it is uh, hard to grab people's attention, and I have two children. They're ten and six, and uh, I watch them scroll through uh, TikTok all day. And my daughter knows every song on the planet somehow, yeah. like, but only about twenty seconds of every song on the yeah. planet. You know, she knows every chorus to songs that came out. You know, when I was a kid, yeah. and I'm like, how how do you know that? How do you know this? And she can sing it perfect. And then I'm like, but then I'll play her the intro as we're talking, yeah. the intro to the song. And she'll be like, what's this? I never heard this. And I'm like, yeah, you just sang it to yeah. me like five minutes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's crazy. Um, no, we, we I, I, I don't know. I guess it did kind of seep into our mentality yeah. making these, these new songs now because you have to think of it kind of yeah. in a way. Um, you have because that's the medium that people might hear it on. So, yeah, it's, it's weird that it changes the entire creative process almost in a weird way. Absolutely. Involuntarily. Yeah, yeah, completely. Dan, I'm going to take you back for track two and i'm gonna ask you to tell me the first song you remember hearing that had an emotional impact on you please um i mean there's probably a million you know because that's what connects everybody to music is you know if it hits you emotionally but um when when i first thought of this the first thing that popped in my head for some reason was mike and the mechanics the living years um mainly because in the 80s late 80s early 90s whatever year this came out you know, I was probably eight, nine years old. I just remember driving around in my mom and dad's whatever vehicle we had, like a Monte Carlo, an 86 Monte Carlo or something. And um, I just remember like the, the the modern, you know, adult station, whatever this got played on back in the day. It was just constantly playing in the car. And I'm sitting in the back seat, you know, and I was into music pretty young. So I was like always singing along and just... But that song, I would just like, it's so sad feeling. And the lyrics are really, you know, they're really deep and like reflective of life. And it's like, it's about his dad dying or whatever the lyrics are fully about. But um, it's just like, I, I would always be like, oh my God, this is like a sad song. And I never, you know, I, songs were all about partying as a kid. You're just like, yeah, yeah, cool stuff, happy, fun. And I just, that one like burned into my brain. That, oh, okay, this can affect you emotionally too this is music is deep you know so uh you know my phone's ringing um so yeah i think that was the first time as a kid that i was like okay this goes both ways or first thing i remember anyway but Uh, then there was millions of songs after that obviously but but i do think you're 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 so right there like music when you're you're young it is it's just there it's fun it's noise and then all of a sudden i think in your life you always get that one song that jars you and it's like oh Oh, there's different yeah. levels to this stuff. Like <laughs> yeah. it, it can go the other way as well. And then, obviously, yeah. you know, for, for most people, you know, you, you you find them sad songs in the formative years. And by the time you're you're thirteen, you've discovered the cure, and it's just rapidly downhill from there. It just gets deeper <laughs> and darker. But um, but I think that the Living News is a really good example, Dan. I'm so glad you chose it because 
it's one of them songs, it certainly was for me, where it was the first time I questioned mortality and death. Yeah, I think that. And it yeah. was just like, and I remember like hearing that like around my family and just thinking, oh my God, my, my dad's going to die one day. Like yeah. that, that's actually going to happen. And it was like, and, and never questioned anything like that before. It was just, you know, it, it just never occurred to me. And then all of a sudden you've got this guy saying he should have said these things, you know, when he's, when his father was alive and, and it's the, 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 the um, I'm trying to think of the, the, the vocalist name um, from uh, Mike and the Mechanics. It was, uh, oh gosh. I yeah, think. I don't really know much about Mike and the Mechanics. Well, really, it was Mike like... Rutherford, who was in Genesis okay. with Phil Collins. So it was his yeah, okay. sort of side band. And, and the singer also sang in Squeeze for a bit. And he sang Tempted for Squeeze. And Paul Carrick is his name. And, okay. uh, and he's got a wonderful voice. And uh, But yeah, it was just that thing of like, because it's such a... a a beautiful story and it's quite an easy story to understand it's put across in really sort of simple terms and it's like yeah my dad died and i you know and then hearing about the day that he died and then like by the third verse you're like oh my god yeah, this is you know like you're really invested in the story like throughout the whole song you're like Absolutely. living in this moment and it's like it's one uh, yeah it really draws you in it's crazy yeah so tell me about where you was growing up where, where was home growing up um here in st louis um, born and raised, um, you know, just, uh, mid Midwest kids was, was music, um, always on in the house growing up. Yeah. Yeah. But my mom and dad are not musical. Like they don't play music at all. Um, and I wouldn't even say they really love music. It's just, there was always music though. It was, it was a lot of that era, like a lot of, like a lot of Elton John and, um, you know, that kind of stuff, like just like the eighties pop stuff, but yeah. you know. Uh, I, I don't know. There was like some uh, some John Cougar, Melon Camp would get rocked around. Yeah. Uh, just like just some that kind of stuff. But then you know what really got me into music later was like kind of like the eighties, late eighties metal kind of scene because that was like too cool for them. So yeah. I was like, I was like, oh, yeah, these guys got tattoos and they say cuss words and stuff. I was like, <laughs> that, that's all you need at that age, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, that's it. That's perfect. That's and weirdly enough, now I have tattoos and I say cuss words, so it all makes sense. But uh but yeah so i kind of found music through that later they they were uh they were they were just casual listeners of music you know yeah i mean i don't think just sort of glancing through your list there's any sort of reference to that that era of music what were the bands correct me if i'm wrong but what what were the bands um that that kind of cut through at that point for you um the first ones my my favorite band of all time for the most part favorite singer of all time is skid row sebastian bach from skid row um that was like my favorite one in the early days. I, I'm I'm 42, so I was a little young for the end of that yeah. era. But but uh, that's what yeah, I was like nine or ten listening to Motley Crue and singing "Girls, Girls, Girls," and I had no <laughs> idea what that was. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was like Motley Crue, Guns N' Roses, of course, Appetite for Destruction, still yeah. one of the best records ever. Um, just that whole uh, later 80s scene into the early 90s until grunge happened. Yeah. I was all about that, and then grunge yeah. turned me in a different direction. So love it. We'll pick back up on that. Uh, but yeah. right now, I want you to tell me for track three, the song that reminds you of your time at school, please, Dan. Yes. Yeah, so when I thought of that, I thought of high school for me. And um, that's when I was more into like the pop punk, this 90s kind of pop punk scene. And uh, but I just immediately thought of Tony Hawk Pro Skater playing video games. And the uh, the classic main song from that is Goldfinger's Superman. Yeah. And uh, it's like one of the uh, just 
things that's burned in your brain if you were a kid playing pro skater as a as a teenage skateboarding punk rock kid um so yeah goldfinger and goldfinger ended up having a huge influence on our life because uh john feldman the singer is the one who uh, found us and got us signed and produced our first record and all that stuff so he discovered so, uh, you yeah he uh he took us on tour and then he was an a and r for uh, maverick records at the time so yeah he's the he's the one he's the reason we're all right here right now so oh, uh wonderful. yeah so it had a big impact on my on my years then for sure tell me a little about school did you enjoy it not really uh no i i I don't know. I I was fine. Like I didn't hate it, but I I was only going to school to promote my band. Basically, like yeah. I always loved. We we always had a band in some form or another, and uh, it was all it was. That was my social thing. Was just I have a band. You should come see my band. You know, so that I would go to school for that. Other than that, I skipped a whole lot. Barely graduated. I don't know how. I missed like sixty days my senior year, and then still graduated. Yeah. I was smart enough. You know, it was like I was smart enough to figure out how to uh get around the system you know that's i think that's what i was learning in high school was how do i manipulate the system and still succeed you know yeah. uh how can i get out of school but not fail you know so which i guess that's a great lesson to learn in life because that's kind of how life works you know absolutely absolutely <laughs> so was there any question um <clears throat> i like to ask guests like what they wanted to be when they was at school but it sounds like it was pretty it was pretty laid out for you already i was pretty dead set on that and uh I didn't know if it would really work out, but you know, I was like, I don't care what happens. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna be in a band, and we're gonna do this as hard as we can for as long as we can. And uh, yeah, luckily, I guess if you have that mindset, it's kind of hard to fail if you're like dead set on something that much. But we didn't have any idea if we were good enough, or you know. But we loved it, so we went for it. Did it? Did it feel possible? Did it feel that like you know, was there bands that had come from where you'd come from that it was like if they can do it, we can do it? Um, not a lot. No, I mean, there's not a lot of big rock bands from this area. Um, uh, right before we got signed, uh, the, like the Nelly thing happened, the, the hip hop scene from St. Louis really started yeah. getting really big. So Nelly and uh, Chingy, and there was a bunch of, you know, big artists coming out at the time from St. Louis. And that was like 2000, 2001. And then yeah. we came out within the next couple of years. So, so the St. Louis was like on, in the, in the world, like out there, like, yeah. oh, you're from Nellyville. <clears throat> like, yeah, yeah. St. Louis, Nellyville, right on. <laughs> Which was great for us. We were like, "Yeah, cool. We ride that. We'll ride yeah. that wave." Yeah. Uh, you, you said that when you was at school, you'd you know you'd you'd just be telling people to come watch my band, come watch my band. Uh... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. 
If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. To be young and to be approaching people to say come and watch me do something that's going to involve me being on the stage in front of an audience yeah how confident were you as a young lad that's weird yeah um i was very confident in the music world but not really any other way you know um i'm pretty mellow and shy for the most part um other than being on stage, which is really weird because most people are like, how do you get up there and do that? And I'm like, I don't know. I never thought about that part. Maybe maybe the first couple times it was kind of scary, I guess. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I've never I've, we've always just been very confident about our band. It's like the one thing that I'm like, I know I'm good at this. I want people to watch me do it. You know, other than that, I'm like, eh, well, yeah, I don't I'm not I'm not that cool. I don't I don't need praise for anything. I just yeah. want to be good at music. That's all. So, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy that. Yeah, at that young of an age, we were very much like, yeah, yeah, hey, check us out, check us out, we're good, we're good, watch this, come watch what we do. But but at any age, the, the, the idea for a lot of people, I'd say a majority of the people you know, in, in the world, to walk on stage and then perform something and have eyes staring at them, is daunting. Um, have you got, or did you have, have you, what do you do now, have you ever had like a sort of a routine that you do before you walk out and say, do you still get, you know, do you get stage fright at all? Um, not stage fright, but I still get like, uh, that nervous energy before you go on, you know, like no matter what, it's like, Oh, okay. Okay. We got to go on. It's more like, okay, don't suck today. You know, (laughs) you got to do this in front of these people. Be good today. Like be good at it. Especially if your voice is not there or you're not feeling great or something, but, um, but no, not really nervous. Um, but uh, but yeah, like there's very much like an hour before every show, our band like always shuts everybody off, and like we just sit there. I do vocal warm ups and stuff, and we listen to music and just just get in the mood. You know, we mm-hmm. we make sure we're like in the right mindset usually before, because otherwise that can kind of mess you up if yeah. there's too much going on. You're like, oh, I gotta go on stage. Okay, okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, not a lot of rituals. Maybe a couple drinks and just kind of hang out and get in the mood. Yeah. Nice. Tell me about the first song you remember buying from a record store uh see this is hard because yeah it was cassette tapes and um uh you know press sometime in the 80s like i'm saying so um but i know that from the cassette tape collection i still have i know that one of one of the very first ones was vanilla ice's whatever the record's called to the extreme yeah i think is what the record's called but yeah the one with ice ice baby on it i definitely own that cassette tape and i know that it was one of the first ones that i picked out as a kid and my mom probably was like, okay, whoever Vanilla Ice is. Uh, but yeah, still have it to this day. Yeah. And uh, it's not one of those ones you're real proud of because it's, you know, it's kind of a silly album. But but it's it stood the test of time. It's Vanilla Ice, you know. Yeah. It's a classic oh, song. It, it is. And it's so easy to, to hate on him because it's become almost a novelty record. And he's become yeah. somewhat of a, a character that's often sort of pushed up for ridicule. And it's... It shouldn't be forgotten that I he's an, he was an incredible rapper, and then yeah. you know he signed this major deal, and you know they 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 pushed him into being a pop star, I guess. But um, yeah, and you know, and he was one of the he was probably the biggest star in the world for a couple of years, and then it, yeah. there was a rapid decline. 
Make no mistake, though, even the coolest people in hip-hop would be hard push to deny that Ice Ice Baby's not a fucking great tune, man. Yeah, yeah, it, it had a huge impact on the entire world. You yeah. know, it's like it probably influenced thousands of rappers to come after that, you know, so it, I mean, it definitely did. But yeah, yeah you can't deny the the uh, the impact it had. So, yeah, I still think it's it's fine. If yeah. it comes on, everybody's going to sing it. It's not you like know. one of those songs that you're like, oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. <laughs> Wait, what's the first? Collaborate and listen, and then you just go. You just yep. keep. You have, everybody knows it. It's dumb. It's ingrained into the fabric of society. Everybody yeah. knows the first verse to that rap. It's yep. crazy. Yep. That's not an easy thing to do to get something like that ingrained in the brains of people globally. That that that's hard thing. You know, that's, that, that, a lot of pop stars would like that. Yeah, <clears throat> I bet my six-year-old daughter knows it somehow. She probably knows every word to Only it. Only twenty I'm seconds. Sure <laughs> yeah, at least at least one part of the song. I don't know. I don't know which one the TikTok clip is, but she knows that. I want to ask you a little bit about record stores and and whether it was cassettes, CDs, you know, or, or, or whatever it was. As you got older, and you start finding yourself in a band, and you found your tribe, you found them sort of like minded friends that are that are all into the same music as you. Did the record store become an important place for you then? Um. Yeah. Definitely. Um, we still have a, a record shop here in St. Louis called Vintage Vinyl, and we're actually doing a signing there on Friday. But it's just one of those shops that's been there for 30-plus years, I think. I don't even know when it opened. It might have been there for more for longer, but I know that I've known about it for at least 30 years. Um, and, uh, yeah, that was like every release date, you know, everybody. It, they would have the midnight releases where you would show up the night before on two uh, Monday nights. Everything came out on Tuesdays here back in the day. Um, so yeah, you would go at midnight and line up and you'd get all the new CDs and yeah, yeah, it was quite the thing. And once again, we'd be handing out flyers and promoting our band at that record store, you know? Yeah. I mean, there was others too, but that's just the one that still survived through all this, which is crazy. Yeah. Um, yeah, that was, uh, that's like the, 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 ga the mall or the, the, the cool gas station or whatever, you know, it's yeah. like, that's, that was the spot for musicians. I asked you about confidence earlier, Dan, and, and. And and to be sort of pushing your band at, at such a young age and, and trying to get people at school to come and watch you play and stuff like that, and then to find yourself, you know, getting a record deal and then having, you know, huge success uh, that, that that so many artists would, would dream of having um, and, and, and to have, you know, carved out the career that you have in what is undeniably a very, very tough industry to, to, to have success in uh, and yeah. sustain that as well. Tell me about how driven you are. Um, I, I, sometimes I look back and, and it surprises me how driven we were. And, um, but I, I don't, I guess it has not changed. It's just, I, that's, I don't know. Cause I don't feel like I'm like that in most facets of life. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm pretty like, well, okay, whatever, whatever happens, happens. But when it came to music, it was always, we just had to do things, you know, it's like just something that's built into you. I guess if, you know, if you really believe in something and you love it that there's there's just drive behind it you know yeah. um so at least the, the 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 sentiment was always real we always loved what we were doing and we just had to be pushing this it was like this is what we should be doing with our lives and if we can we have to do it um but yeah i don't i don't feel like i'm real driven in most and you know, i'm not like a businessman i'm not yeah. i'm not a salesman i don't, don't go out and i can't push things on people other than my band yeah. so i don't know where that came from or how you know we can do that but I, cause I don't think anybody in the band really 
is very crazy driven on in other yeah. areas of life. It's just it's just about our band. It's something that we always believed in, and yeah, it's crazy. But that's your passion, right? I get, yeah. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, especially now, as a kid, you think like, well, maybe I'll find something else, you know. But then, you know, in your forties, you're like, oh, well, that's that's what I've done, yeah. and that's still what I love doing. So yeah, yeah, I guess yeah, this yeah. is my life. That's what I do. Yeah, it's weird. I want to go back a little bit, <clears throat> and uh, and for the next track, I'd like you to tell me about the song uh, that sang. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style track your years going to to clubs and 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 i should stress um that I, I never want people to think that it's it's got to be some rave or some kind of dance club it can be it can be you know a, a dive bar it can be your rock club it can be whatever sort of what whatever venue you found yourself in in them formative years hanging out with your tribe so yeah, yeah. tell me the song that soundtrack that please dan yeah, when I thought about that, because uh, yeah, I'm not like the club kind of guy, you know, or that wasn't our scene. But uh, but then I, th- th- it it immediately made me think of like just when we started touring and playing different clubs every single night, but mainly like being in the van together and driving around and just the song that like always connected with all of the guys in the band that we would drive around and and just always want to listen to it was always saves the day, uh, their record uh, through being cool. But mainly the song "Rocks Tonic Juice Magic." Um, it's it's I don't. There's something about that record that that time in our in our lives, just being in the van, we would put it on and sing the entire record if we couldn't stay awake or whatever. And uh, yeah, and then go to the next show and then play. It, it, it wasn't necessarily at the clubs, I guess, yeah. or like at the venue that we were playing that we would listen. But yeah. that was definitely the driving record and the and very influential on our early stuff as well. And. Uh, yeah, that that's what popped into my head when I thought about that. That's the one that we all agreed on all the time. It was Tell me a little bit about them, them early tours and you know, all of a sudden signing a record deal and finding yourself in a van and, and, and playing these tours. Like tell me a little bit about the sort of camaraderie and the and the excitement and uh, and, and everything that kind of comes with, with, with being a, 
a young band, you know, being given these opportunities to to, to go and do something that you you love doing. Tell me about those those early years. Yeah, it's crazy because uh, we're all from St. Louis, like I said. So we we moved from here to California to Southern California, uh, like Orange County outside of L.A. Um, as a band, like the the six or seven guys all just piled in a van, drove to California with barely any plan. We just rented a one or a three bedroom house, one house. We all just piled in the house. Uh, we lived there for like a year while we made our first record, and uh, but it was like there's no consequences. You know, you just you just go at that age. It was like I don't, man, we don't have to be in St. Louis, right? Let's go to California. Let's see what happens. And we just lived there for a year. Then we get a van and get signed and. Or, you know, we already had the van, but we had already been touring a little bit. But, you know, you get signed and then you just live in this van for 300 and something days a year. And uh, you just didn't care. You just go everywhere. You just do anything you can do. And there's nobody to say no. There's no stopping you. <clears throat> that young, young energy. We were full of energy. You know, there was like, it, I, it, it exhausts me now, like thinking back. Yeah. Um, I mean, we still have energy and we're still cool. We're still cool, man. Uh <laughs> But uh, but yeah, man, just to have that youthful, like late teen, early twenties yeah. enthusiasm and energy, it's uh, it's 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 quite a thing. It's crazy. Yeah. I, I saw, I heard a um, an interview the other day with Noel Gallagher of Oasis, and he said them them early albums. He said that that the first album, or he said their first two albums, he said it's as young bands. He said you get like about a four year period where you're the same age as the young people that are listening to your music and they understand everything you're writing about because you're in it with yeah. them and then success and money and excess and everything else gets in and everybody grows up and everything. He said, you get that sweet spot of about four years where you're completely in tune. Can you relate to that? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, Cause yeah, we were part of the scene with the, yeah, with our peers at that point. And uh, definitely by the third record or so, it was like, okay, what do we write about? Like what, what are we doing? I, cause I, you know, we weren't really big into the same exact scene anymore and the music was, but yeah, it's exactly what it was. And then you start writing about different things and then we started getting more political with lyrics and stuff. And that wasn't connecting as well with people, you know, it's like, but that's all, I didn't know what else to do. Cause I wasn't singing about me and being a kid and driving around in the van anymore. Cause yeah. it's like, okay, well now I'm growing up. So I got to, but, um, you know, later, especially on this new record, um, I definitely found a way to like get channeled back into the more personal lyrics and and found a way to connect on that level to music just for myself yeah. again, especially through having kids and you know uh, having different things to focus on and and really emotionally connect to. Yeah. Uh, so I have found a way back to that I think um, in in a way that works for me. But but yeah, it's you it's definitely we're not we are not our crowd anymore. Yeah. We are not the fans. It's it's a different thing now. Yeah. And I'm writing songs mo mostly for myself. Usually, I, I make music, and I don't really worry about if it connects to a certain demographic of people anymore. Yeah. I know as long as it connects to me and I'm emotionally invested, it's going to work. So, love it, love it. Well, let's take you home for this track, and I want you to tell me a favorite song from an artist from your home county, please. Yeah. Um, well, like we, I, I didn't want to give this up earlier, uh, but. Besides Nelly, there was one. There was only one rock band that had gotten signed and that was like touring and was kind of big before Story of the Year, and they were called The Urge. Um, and they they didn't do a whole lot outside of the area, like probably never really toured overseas or anything. Um, but The Urge was is still a huge staple for St. Louis, um, and they they still can sell out clubs every couple times a year here, and uh, still just a great band. It's kind of like. Uh, 
it was like a mix between like 90s ska and like new metal and some weird amalgamation they toured with like 311 and that kind of that kind of crowd yeah. you know but uh the first song on on their uh one of their first records called brainless and it's just like a the local ra- rock radio station here still plays them all the time yeah. it's just, it's weird because yeah you know, it's weird to be that big in one city and like not really have a following outside of it but but they're just an amazing band the records are still great to the, to this day it's so strange the sort of perception of 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 what i hear from that and what what you probably mean from that it's like you know they're they're big in missouri and it's like that's bigger than the uk like you know that's bigger than our country which is like you know if you're huge in the uk that's that's incredible you know so it's like yeah props to that band forget how forget how big all of our states are here (laughs) in comparison but yeah so yeah maybe they'd have a quite the reach around here yeah (laughs) Dan, it's the last question, and I'm going to ask you to be a, a, a tastemaker now, as your kids may call it, an influencer. Um, it's a song that you think many people may not know that you would like them to hear. Yeah, that, that that's hard because there's probably a million of those as well. Um, but the, the band I listen to the most, I, I'm into like a lot of older kind of punk rock stuff. Um, I like fast, underground, terrible music usually that most people are like, I don't get it, it's too too annoying. But uh, I immediately thought of a Wilhelm scream. That was their band that a lot of people know. But uh, uh, I just they they they're a little underrated for uh, the kind of, how good of musicians they are and like the amount of punk rock that they play. It's just it's it's amazing. And I just saw them recently and uh, kind of got to hang out and we became friends uh, along the way. So uh, but yeah, their newest record. There's a song on there called Apocalypse Porn, and uh, what a great title for one. But uh, it's just it's just great the, the lyrically they they have some of the most amazing like deep weird introspective lyrics and it's very influential on on me it makes i put it on all the time if i'm trying to like just get in a mood to like make my brain work you know yeah. just because it makes me think and i love it do you find that that's what you do if you're if you want to write you will listen to other music to kind of like fire you up and inspire sometimes yeah i i, I found that movies kind of do it better for me like especially if i'm if I'm actually working on something, I'll put on something that's visually kind of stimulating or um, something that like just like a real movie that makes me feel something because I that that inspires me almost more. It gets me in like a mood to really think and or you can do both at the same time. You can have it on yeah. while you're writing, you know. So, but yeah, I mean, yeah, there's definitely songs that do that too. But but you can't really listen to a song while you're writing a song because yeah. that doesn't really translate yeah it's more movies and visual i think you're talking about that sort of visual like when, when you write and i don't mean this in, in in some kind of strange way but but do you visualize it like you know like as, as a story as a film as a as a video or like you know can you picture it as as, as a as a story as a storyboard yeah. i guess <laughs> sometimes yeah i think so yeah yeah never really thought about it like that but i guess i guess yeah Especially, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, sometimes you literally are seeing like a video. You're like, oh, I could imagine this happening if yeah. we were doing a video. But, but yeah, no, yeah, it's, yeah, you might visualize it as like a storyboard and like yeah. try to place it in your brain. Like, okay, where do I need this to go? You know? Yeah, yeah I don't know. Okay, well, look, you've done your tracks. You've picked your tracks. I want to know about the new record uh, and what's going to be happening. Yes, new record. It's called Tear Me to Pieces um it's uh it's very good I'm, I'm excited about it i think we did a good uh good job of uh like really kind of reaching back and and finding the energy and like the the uh 
the power that we had on the first couple records, sure. but also progressing at the same time and making something new and modern. And uh, that's the hard balance is like trying to take what you've done in the past, but, you know, do it again, but but in a different, new, fun way. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of always the only goal. It's like, let's be story of the year, but let's make something new and something cool that we love. And I think we I think we achieved that and we're really excited about it for sure. And uh, now it's coming out on Friday or whatever day this comes out. It's yeah. March 10th. It'll be out. But um, and uh, yeah, let's just play a bunch of shows and promote it and hope for the best. That's all you can really do nowadays. Wonderful. Hope that it gets on TikTok and Spotify playlists. Man. <laughs> That's where it's at, mate. That's where it's at. Um, and then shows, how far are you going? Are you going to find yourself in the UK at some point? Um, we're working on it. Yeah, I, I've been doing a bunch of UK interviews this week and saddening news that I'm like, ah, we don't have anything booked yet. But, uh, <laughs> we've had a few things that fell through last minute that we yeah. keep trying. But yeah, it's expensive and hard to get there right of now. Course. So um, we're working on it and we have some plans. Yeah, that's wow. that is the plan to get there very soon. And, and Dan, if people want to sort of keep up to speed with everything that the band's doing, um, where's the best place to keep up to speed? Um, it's at story of the year on everything, you know, on Instagram and everything. Um, then, yeah, that's the only thing we really do. We're not, we're not too, uh, savvy with the, uh, the social medias, but, yeah. uh, but we keep, we, we have management that helps <laughs> us with that too. They keep everybody up to date. So it's all out there. Wonderful. Well, we'll take you in it. So, uh, when this episode comes out, anybody that's not explored, uh, y yourselves yet, then, uh, we'll make it nice and easy for them to go and do that. Dan Absolutely. It's been a real joy, man, chatting to you. Thank you so much. That, that was super fun. I like, I love those questions. I love talking about different music, and that, that's fun. That's great. I loved it. Thank you. Oh, absolute pleasure, mate. I'm going to press stop. Don't go anywhere. Okay. There you go. I told you you'd like it. What a super nice guy Dan is. Um, yeah, go check out the new music from Story of the Year. Go give him a follow on the socials. Um, big thanks to Dan for giving up his time. Huge thanks to Em. Um, I should have shouted out Em at the beginning because she's been really, really um, wonderful. And, and, and do you know what? I, I owe her a lot because it was Emma um, who does the PR for, um, for Story of the Year and, and so many other artists, so many that you've heard on this podcast. Um, and, and she's become a mate and, and it's been really nice um, because it was Em that basically got Chuck D uh, arranged for me. And after having Chuck on the podcast... It changed everything um, in regards to guests. Once Chuck had been on, all of a sudden, other companies were reaching out saying, oh, would you like to... Wouldn't have had Tommy Lee, wouldn't have had Foo Fighters, wouldn't have had any of these artists had M not gone, would you like to speak to Chuck D? Who to this day was still the guest that I was most starstruck over because it's, well, it's Chuck D. And as a 49-year-old man, I can't tell you about the impact that band had on me, uh, you know, when I was 13, 14 years of age. It's just ridiculous. Um, so huge thanks uh, and love to Emma. Um, and biggest thanks always go to you lot for listening. Thanks for sticking about to the end um, and uh, having to put up with more waffle from my lispy gob. But um, I'll be back next time. In the meantime, go give us a like, love, share, uh, retweet uh, over on the socials. Check out the Patreon. Head over there for free and, uh, and watch the little video, and I'll tell you a little bit about it. Patreon.com forward slash off the beat and track. It's a dollar a month, and you get shitloads of stuff. I'll be back next time. In the meantime, be nice to each other. I'll see you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>